Hey everybody, it's Ben, and I wanted to just take a quick second to tell you about something that I've been working on that I'm excited about and I think might be relevant to you too. So when we need to build a static site, we like to reach for things like Jekyll or Middleman for things like our blog or for ThoughtBot.com, which is kind of just a brochure site to describe what ThoughtBot does. But when we want to put a form on a static site like that, up until recently, this has been a real pain for us. So our answer to this usually has been, go to Wufu and uh, we'll embed one of their forms using an iframe. Now, the problem with this is, A, you have an iframe, that's not awesome. Uh, B, the markup from the Wufu forms is kind of bananas, and that makes C really hard, which is styling it. So we don't want it to just look like a janky Wufu form that we threw in the site. We want it to look like a native form that's already part of the site naturally. Uh, and styling it is a real pain. If you ever tried it, it's not easy. Uh, the markup is a pain, and you need to have an external style sheet and point the Wufu form at the style sheet, and it's just this sort of big rigmarole. And so what we said to ourselves was, it sure would be nice if there were just somewhere that we could point this form to that would accept the submissions to the form and then do intelligent things with them. And there didn't seem to be something like that out there, and so we built it. Uh, and it's called FormKeep, and we've been putting a lot of work into it recently, and we're really excited about it. So the way you use FormKeep is just by putting in normal markup in your site to describe a form, and then in the action attribute for the form tag, we give you a unique URL that you can send your data to. And then from there, FormKeep will accept your submissions. And if you want, it, we can email them to you. Uh, we can send an email autoresponse to people who submit your form saying, thank you for submitting. And uh, we also integrate through Zapier with a number of other services. So if you want a Trello card created on a specific board when someone submits the form, totally doable. If you want to pipe it into Slack, so the whole team can see it, uh, also reasonable. And there are many, many, many other integrations, of course, as well. So we're excited about this product. Uh, we're giving it a lot of love lately, and I think it could be really good for you. If you are a designer or a developer and you're building a static site in something like Jekyll uh, or Middleman, or even if you have a Rails app, but you just don't want to write the actual form backend logic to forward data on or, or integrate with, with these other services, then FormKeep is probably an awesome fit for you. So check it out, formkeep.com, and uh, let us know what you think. Giant robots smashing into other giant robots. Hello and welcome to the Giant Robots Smashing into Other Giant Robots podcast. My name is Ben Orenstein and I'm here today with Laura Roeder. Hey, Laura. Hey, Ben. How's it going? Excellent. Good. Um, so I've been sort of uh, bumping to you on the internet and uh, realized that I really wanted to chat with you uh, because, well, I've seen a couple of really awesome ideas come from your direction. Uh, the, the one thing that really jumped out at me was when you, so you run a product called Edgar, mm -hmm. and you named it and gave him a voice and a personality and like personified this thing. And I thought that was so smart and clever. And I wanted to chat with you about that. Yeah, you know the funny part is, so my my husband is the CTO of the company. And I don't think you've like worked with him directly, but we've hired ThoughtBot, so he's worked with. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, oh, awesome. yeah. Oh, I just assumed you knew that. Yeah. Wow, great. Okay, <laughs> that would have been some excellent stuff to have known before this interview. <laughs> right. No. Yeah, we hired you for a contract project. Um, so I'm the marketing one. He's the technical one. And when we decided on the name Edgar and I was like, we need to do like a whole character and a whole persona. He was like, no, he's mm. like, that is the worst idea. It's going to be just like Clippy. Everyone's going to hate it. It's right. going to be so cheesy. And I'm yep. like, no, I promise it won't. It won't be like Clippy. It'll be it'll be really cool. Um, so obviously I, I ignored him very wisely and uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> we did go in that direction. And it's been so fun. And customers have have really ran with it in a way that we did not expect. Mm -hmm. uh, we always call Edgar he instead of it. And 
customers always say he in the reviews. They actually started saying Edgar is my boyfriend so much that we had Edgar is my boyfriend stickers made and, and sent out to people. So yeah. it's been really fun to see how the reaction has been. Totally. And like just and people want to be friends with living things. Right. Right. Like it's I just I just love the idea of like, oh, like we're giving you this personality to latch onto with like your very natural human emotions. Yeah, yeah. And people, especially I think, you know, it's kind of a fun thing for a business product because people will be like, I hired Edgar, I added Edgar to my team. So it helps you think of not just this tool that you're employing, but it really is a whole, Edgar really is a, a member of your team handling your social media. I love that. that and, and, and like, no one will say, Basecamp is my boyfriend. <laughs> right? Right. That's just never going to happen. it adds, when something goes wrong, we're able to do this thing that's really funny where we're like, poor Edgar. Edgar's not feeling well. <laughs> I, I hope that he's better soon. Totally. Yeah. So you, that, there's like very natural sympathy that you can play to yeah. as opposed to like, oh, those idiots over it, whatever, have like let this right. thing crash. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. I'm totally in love with this idea. I wish I ran a product like this already so I could uh, just rename it with a, some sort of personification. That's very cool. Like uh, the the he thing really takes it to the next level because there are, there are companies that have like well-known mascots like MailChimp, mm. for example. They have like, oh, Freddie's our mascot. And they talk about right. Freddie and all that. It's very playful and it's good. But it doesn't give you the sense that like, like you said, it's that person on your team. It doesn't. And that the, whole, the pronoun thing really, I think, makes a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. Edgar is not just a mascot. Edgar is the software. Yeah. Super cool. So uh, we've been uh, talking about Edgar a bit without talking about what it does. Would you give us the, a quick quick summary? Yeah. So Edgar is a, a social media automation tool. And what he does that's really different than Did I say the it? other. Oh, my God. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> then uh, the other inanimate object tools uh, is it's all about repeating your content. So if you do social media marketing, you know that you have to come up with status updates every day, several times a day for the rest of time. Mm -hmm. And for most businesses, it really does not make sense to be coming up with fresh updates every day forever. And, and you don't need to because mm -hmm. only a small percentage of your followers in any one given space uh, see that update. So what Edgar does is you load up your whole library of social media updates categorized into Edgar and then he cycles through them for you over and over again. So you set your schedule of what you want to go out when. And Edgar's like, I got it. I'll send it out. So your queue doesn't run out and you don't have to manually schedule things. Yeah, I really do love that. I, so I've been, I've been sort of in brainstorm mode recently of like, what are, what are interesting businesses that you could sell to other or like services that you could sell to other businesses? Mm -hmm. And so I've just been trying to keep my eyes open for like, what's a real pain in the ass? Mm -hmm. Like what, what kind of stuff do I, do I kind of hate doing? And I feel like I have to do it and I have to do it often enough that it's a pain. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this definitely fell there because social media, there's just so much admin work and even tools, you know, at our company, we were using tools like Buffer and Hootsuite, which are great tools, but you still have to manually load up every, every update, you know, Buffer did a huge innovation with the queue. So at least you don't have to manually schedule them. But then when your queue runs out, it runs out, you have to start the process all over again. And social media, it doesn't matter how your update got sent out. So some people hear this idea and then it's like, oh, but are you just automating the whole thing? And the idea is let software do what software can do. You know, it doesn't matter how the update is sent out, whether it's your phone or what platform you're using. Mm -hmm. Let Edgar do that part and then you can sign on and talk to people and do the engagement and do like the, the live stuff on social media. Right. And, and the part I care about is that you wrote the update. It's not that you were actually like right. sitting there and you clicked the button and threw it out into the, the, the ether. Exactly, exactly. So all your updates are still yours. And in fact, we find Edgar helps people have 
much higher quality updates because you actually take the time to curate them, to edit them. You know, you're not just like, oh God, it's Monday again. I have to write something on social media. You've actually taken the time to say, okay, what do we want our promotional tweets to look like? Let's put those together. Let's add an image. Let's get rid of this one. It doesn't really feel on brand for us. You kind of have that that breathing room to do that instead of everything being so frantic. Totally. That makes perfect sense. I, I've been seeing this trend and maybe it's just that I'm just noticing it now or maybe there is a uh, more of a push towards this recently where it seems like there are people building businesses and paying attention to people actually having a lot of success with the product because I think there are things that people will buy aspirationally Mm -hmm. uh, like certain info products or certain tools even and they'll think you know I really should be doing this I know I should be a b testing I know I should have a drip course or something and then it seems like lately there's been just just to me there's more of a focus on okay how do we get people past the hurdles that there are to doing the thing they know they should be doing Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, I, I know I should be, you know, having a better uh, social media presence, but it's a pain. So what can I do? And well, I love this. And I think, I, yeah, I think it's, it's tools getting a little smarter in being a little more specific too. So yeah, you talk about drip campaigns, um, you know, the software drip or Nathan Berry software convert kit are both around that idea. And mm-hmm. obviously there's no shortage of, of email marketing providers, you know, and, and ones that do it really well. And you can do a drip campaign on any of these providers, mm-hmm. right? But it helps people kind of understand the concept if you're like, no, this is what we do. This is what we specialize in. Mm-hmm. And at Edgar, I mean, I actually think we need to do a better job communicating it more clearly, but we're really about the, the content marketing side of social media. You know, we're not going to add on to our tool being able to do customer service or to find influencers and rank them or lots of the other things that you can do on social media. Mm-hmm. We help you manage and distribute your content specifically. So it just it helps people, yeah, understand and envision, I think, how this tool is going to fit in with their business. Mm-hmm. One example that I, that I like in this area is Rob Walling, who makes Drip, uh, mm-hmm. that we were talking about, where he realized that a lot of people would sign up and then get stuck before like actually creating their first campaign right. or their, their first Drip course. And he's like, you know what? Why don't I just like make them for people? Uh, and so like, <laughs> when, you, when you start a campaign, if you don't have one, it's like there's like three options. You can like send them some blog posts and they'll make a campaign for you. you can, they'll write it from scratch for a few hundred bucks. There's just a bunch of different options for getting over that, that pain point. And I, I love that mentality. Yeah, and we're experimenting with that as well because that's that's definitely the huge pain point for our customers is that they have to load up a library of content. So we've done some different things with technology like RSS import and spreadsheet import and things like that. And mm-hmm. so now we're experimenting with what are some you know very process-oriented, scalable ways that we can help actually load people's content into the, the tool for them. Yeah, that just gives you... I think it lets you tell such a nice story, too. It's like, you know you should be doing this, but you're also, when you sign up, you're going to be worried you might not use it. Right. And it's like, don't worry, we're going to be there for you. We're going to make sure you start using it the right way. And because, especially with Edgar, the way he is set up, it's like once you get this in there, it's dialed in for a while. There's not much more work to do for quite a lot of time. Exactly. Once you have your initial library loaded, I mean, people like to kind of tweak and add, um, but you don't even have to. You could, right, you could just let that run. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you have, I mean, a million best practices around this, but there must be some minimum you need to start with and then some some amount of turnover you must have. Otherwise, people are like, hey, I saw this. Or is, or is that like an imagined fear that doesn't really happen? You know, it's like 99% an imagined fear. You'd be very surprised by how frequently you can repeat things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a case study on our site of winetracker.co 
and they've done really, really well with Edgar. They repeat things about every two weeks, mm-hmm. um, which is often enough that I was looking for examples in a presentation and I just looked through their Twitter feed and I could find you know, a tweet just scrolling through that had been repeated. Mm-hmm. And so I actually spent some time doing that, doing research. And what was fascinating to me is every single example that I found had the same amount of engagement two weeks later. Mm, you know, if they got wow. eight shares the first time, they'd get nine the second time. I mean, wow. I didn't look into their click data and stuff, but I, I can tell you from our data for our company, um, it's it's exactly the same. When you share it, it can be even like a week or two later and it, it, it'll get the same impact. And it's hard to see because you see your own stuff. That's why people get so scared of repeating or think it feels like you're bothering people because mm-hmm. it's like, well, I remember that I sent it out two weeks ago, but you know, the latest number on Facebook is like 4% of your audience sees it, you know, Mm -hmm. it's a little higher on Twitter. So when you keep that in mind, it's like, well, of course, you're not bothering people. If they didn't sign on in that minute, they they didn't see it. Right. And even if they did, maybe they didn't click on it, or maybe maybe they even want to see it again. Well, yeah. And this is the other thing, too. People get so scared of like, what? Yeah, what if they see it? And it's like, well, the internet is full of repeated content is like the biggest understatement of the year. That's like all <laughs> like that's what Facebook is. You can say that's that again. Is. You know? Mm-hmm. It's like it's just all the same stuff being sent out over and over again. Most articles that you see on, on Facebook, you don't see them just once. Right. You know? So it's people don't have this horrible reaction to like, I've already seen that. Mm. That's so interesting. Is that your number one objection that people have? Um, people are definitely worried about repeating or they're worried that they're going to sound inauthentic, Hmm. you know, that there's something about it being too easy. And actually we have some people, they're like, oh, Edgar makes it too easy and I never sign on to social media anymore, um, which is kind of a problem because we do see that you need that engagement piece as well Hmm. for social. It really doesn't, doesn't work too well to just kind of set it and forget it and never go stir the pot and talk to people and, um, do that kind of thing. So yeah, so those are those are fears people have around it. And and also a big thing we're working on is just explaining why we're different. Um, the way that we repeat content is very, very unique, but not everyone understands that that's what we do. So they think, you know, our competitors, Buffer and Hootsuite have free plans. We don't have a free plan. Mm-hmm. So people are like, why are we going to pay $50 when we can get the same thing for free? Well, if you could get the same thing for free, I'd be with you. I would get it for free as well. Yeah. You know, so we definitely have to battle that too. That thing you said about how the, like two weeks later, they're getting the same amount of engagement from it is kind of mind blowing because you put all this work into like writing a blog post or something. And the idea that like you just do it once and you could actually just do it every two weeks forever and get like the same (laughs) impact every time is kind of blowing my mind right now. Well, and you know, another really cool um, chart that I like to show that we can link to this blog post we have in one of our blog posts is most people, if you look at their blog, the traffic has a very distinct pattern, which is, of course, it has the huge spike, you know, on the first day, big spike in the first, you know, three to five days. And then it's the long tail after that. It Mm -hmm. just trails off forever. But if you look at Edgar users blog traffic, it looks very different It has Mm. the big initial spike and then it has spike 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 every time that Edgar sends out that post and it just makes it so obvious when you see that chart the opportunities that you're missing out on by not regularly posting your old stuff because Mm -hmm. every time it gets sent out that's just traffic to your site traffic to your site totally totally 
And like we, so uh, at Thoughtbot, we've been around for 12 years and we have a, I mean, the blog is probably almost that old, maybe yeah. like, maybe eight or nine or 10 years old yeah. somewhere. So like there's like hundreds of amazing right. old posts in there and we never talk about them, just about. <laughs> right. I mean, that's what almost all companies do. And it's because there hasn't been an easy way, you know, if you wanted to link to your old posts, you just had to like keep a spreadsheet of your post and then like remember what order you posted them in. Um, it used to be a really difficult task. So mm-hmm. yeah, most people are like you, they're, they're not sending people to the stuff that you've, you've worked so hard to create all this content. Yeah, totally. Would you, for someone that's, uh, working, uh, like a, maybe a solopreneur kind of person or like really just getting started on a new business, what is the timeline for payoff in terms of having an awesome social media presence? Is it something you can do when you're one person? Is it worth the time that early on? Do you need maybe a slightly larger team? Mm, That's an interesting question. I mean, social media marketing and content marketing is definitely more of a long-term strategy because it takes, it takes some time to build up. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, the way that I think of it, I like to combine the more organic stuff with paid acquisition. I mean, that's what Mm. we've done at Edgar. We started paid acquisition from day one, we also started blogging. We didn't get much traffic from the blog in the beginning, but then a year later or 12 years later, you know, <laughs> you're going to get yeah. um, really great search traffic from all the blog posts you've built up. And social media is definitely similar. It takes time to build up an audience, but you also need to start doing it because, because it always takes time, mm-hmm. you know? So I would say it's good to have a mix of like more immediate and more long-term marketing activities. But a solopreneur, I think, should definitely be using social media. I mean, if you're solo, you might be kind of a, a thought leader type of business, or even if you're just kind of behind the scenes making software, uh, you could be a thought leader if you weren't a software developer too terrified to uh, even consider <laughs> that idea. Yep. Um, but people love to know the, the person behind the business, uh, even even if you're not the most <laughs> gregarious person. Sure. Um, people really like to see that human face and, and know that there was a human that, that developed the software that they're using. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. You touched on um, paid acquisition. Mm. Uh, is that So that's been a successful channel for you? Yeah, we're big on on Facebook ads in particular, and and we've sold Edgar with those right from right from launch. Interesting. And, and is that is that your biggest source of new people? That's not our biggest. We actually have a pretty even mix of like all different channels: organic traffic, direct traffic, social um, ads. Gotcha. But it's been substantial. Yeah, it's substantial. Worth doing. Yes. Yes, I, I would say so. <laughs> who who do you target? Uh, so, I mean, the most obvious target for us is people using competitor tools. And mm. then beyond that, people using other small business tools. Um, MailChimp has a lot of users. Mm-hmm. A lot of people who use MailChimp might be interested in using Edgar. Yep. So those are the, the biggest things that we target. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So what does your day-to-day look like? Um, so I'm a pretty unusual founder, I think. I only work part-time. Um, I have a 10-month-old and... I took three months off maternity leave earlier this year, so now I uh, watch him part-time and work part-time. And because I went on maternity leave when our company was was new and in this really high-growth stage, I really had to be deliberate in uh, taking myself out of a lot of the business. Yeah. And that's kind of how I've grown the business anyway over the years. We're, we're bootstrapped, so we've hired very slowly and, and grown organically, and over the years, I've kind of looked at where am I bottlenecking things? Where am I slowing things down? Okay, that's a place where I need to hire someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this point, I'm not in charge of any deliverables. I'm just overseeing. 
I do. I'm, I'm more involved with marketing because that's the side that I really enjoy. And mm-hmm. also we're kind of like changing around our, our marketing team right now. So a lot of what I'm doing in my day to day is um, looking over marketing strategy and then just being focused on the strategy of the company and um, motivating the team. So that's awesome that you've been able to pull yourself out of the critical path, more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, is there? Do you ascribe? So do you ascribe to the idea that you should do a thing first and then delegate it to somebody else? Not necessarily. I mean, there are some things. It, it's. I think to hire well, either you need to have an understanding, or you need someone to help you to help mm-hmm. you hire that has an understanding. You yep. know, I'm. I'm not a developer, you know, Edgar's written in Ruby on Rails. So I, I don't think I need to learn Ruby on Rails before I could hire a dev team. Like that wouldn't really be a good use of my time. Totally, yeah. But it's like, I still own a software company. Like I need to understand some like really base level things of how software works. Mm -hmm. So I think you can limit yourself by saying you personally need to understand it before you do it. But I, I do think you should be aware of what you don't understand. And, you know, if you're not technical, hiring a technical team is going to be sort of an impossible task for you. So you need to find, you know, bring on a consultant. I don't know if people can hire you to help them do this, but like <laughs> find some way to get people to know what they're doing. Yeah, totally. So Edgar was a sort of, I guess, semi-logical or maybe logical in the, in, in retrospect, step for you, given mm-hmm. where you had been before. You sort of grew this out of an, your an existing consulting practice. Yeah, yeah. So it was actually training, um, we were doing online online training, and what we were teaching is what Edgar does. Um, mm-hmm. So we were teaching people to create this spreadsheet with updates in different categories, and then you'd go through the columns and load them up in a tool. So, um, yeah, it actually very directly came from, well, if people are paying just to learn this process, and then we see that they're actually implementing the process, maybe they would pay for a tool that actually does the process. Right, totally. And it's just that, that idea again of like, hey, this thing is kind of annoying. Like, what if we got rid of that whole objection and complaint exactly exactly and then um my husband who's our cto he actually told me that there's like an axiom in software that if it's in a spreadsheet uh it could be software which i didn't know but seems like a a pretty good rule yeah i like that one i've heard a phrase like if 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 anybody ever emails a spreadsheet or i guess shares a link to like a google Uh, a google sheets kind of thing yeah especially that's a red flag or a money flag (laughs) depending on how you look at it exactly yeah so your day-to-day is not so much Edgar. But one day, possibly back to it. No, actually, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, it's it's half Edgar now, and probably the direction I would go would be starting other projects or companies with the rest of my time. Um, so yes, I'm also on the lookout for spreadsheets, things that are annoying <laughs> that people are emailing. Yeah, that's fascinating because so I, I've heard you interviewed in a couple places and, and paid attention, and it seems like Edgar is growing kind of like crazy. And you're sort of like, yeah, it's going really well, but I'm, I'm doing other stuff. Next thing. No, because it's not next thing. Um, and Edgar has grown like crazy, and, and I love Edgar, and I'll stick with it as long as it's around. The scary thing about Edgar is that we're extremely dependent on being in the favor of Facebook and Twitter. Uh, yeah. You know, they're just companies that can do whatever they want. If they just decide that, that they don't like us, then... Then it lights out for Edgar. So. Right, that's interesting. <laughs> you know, all all companies have you know some sort of vendor or supply chain or or whatever, whether it's in a more digital way or a more physical way. Um, but that it, that is a huge point of vulnerability in the company. So just thinking about an entrepreneur and thinking about 
I mean, as an entrepreneur and thinking how the risk is spread out, I would like to have more projects going as well. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Do you like uh, working with your spouse? <laughs> I do. Uh -huh. <laughs> I mean, it definitely, it definitely has its its challenges. I mean, for Edgar, I mean, the whole thing was really created because because of him. Because I was doing the training, and as I mentioned, he's he's a Ruby on Rails developer, mm -hmm. so he really showed me the light of like my idea was something that yes could actually be created. Mm -hmm. Because honestly, I had kind of thought that there must be some reason why the <laughs> tools weren't doing it already. Yeah, you know, because it just seemed like such an obvious idea to me. And of course, all our customers and everyone we talked to was like, "Yeah, why don't the tools do this?" So I thought there must just be something so hard about this yeah. that it just like can't be done in right. some way and i remember when i first told chris the idea he's like oh yeah i could i could build that in a week right he couldn't he couldn't build it in a week by the way that was, that, that was <laughs> in a your face chris <laughs> right um the but other yeah axiom in software development is the estimates are really really hard right right um yeah we've actually stopped doing them at our company you can uh -huh. Do a whole podcast with him about that. Actually, I was like, oh, I'm doing the ThoughtBot podcast. Like, do you want to be on? And he's like, I will never do a podcast. It's it's his worst nightmare to, like, talk in front of people. Oh, really? Anyway. <laughs> Has he tried a podcast, though? Because I find that, I mean, no one's, people are listening, kind of, but not really. Like, we're just talking, <laughs> right? Right. Everyone, no one's really listening to us right now. They're, like, driving. They're at the gym. They're doing something else. Well, but, but I mean, like. If I were about to give a talk in front of this, the, uh, you know, a group the size of this audience, I would be feeling, you know, anxious and nervous a little bit. But like talking and knowing that eventually that many people listen doesn't bother me at all. Well, no, I, I mean, I had the same. This is what I told him. I'm like, really, it's, it's just a podcast. Is it really that horrible? And he's like, yes, absolutely. That's just the worst thing um, that I could think of. So, so yeah. So he now serves as CTO. He also works part time, by the way. So, um, you know, we have a lot of our, our leadership roles just part-time, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah. And yeah, so he built the initial version and he didn't only build the software, but he really taught me a lot about what makes good software, you know, staying focused with one mm. core idea because it was, it was all new to me. This is, yeah, this is the first software business I've ever had. So it wasn't just learning some of the technical elements, but how to create a really strong product. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting uh, what that example must set when you are both part-time and I imagine like have to be really efficient with your time and are sort of like living and demonstrating work-life balance. Yes. Like the, so many companies will talk about that, but if you don't actually show it and do it, then it doesn't actually happen. Right, right. And I, and I do think our company um, has a pretty unique company culture. I mean, we're, we're very big on the idea that Everyone has really important, fulfilling work, but they also have uh, a life out, outside of work too. And yeah. actually, we've we've hung out with some of your team here in Austin, and it seems like you guys have kind of a similar culture because I know, especially for you know agency consulting, it can be so hard to just bow to the whims of the client. And you know, the client wants you to work all night tonight, guys. This is just what we have to do. And yeah, um, in working with you guys, we've noticed that it really doesn't seem to be that way for you, which which I think is a really cool thing and and much more sustainable. You know, working all night and working all weekend, people like to do it when they're twenty two, but then everyone gets burnt out at some point. Totally. Yeah. It's such a core part of our culture to we call it sustainable pace. And that's mm -hmm. just like it's part of our playbook, our, our literal playbook. Mm-hmm. That oh yeah, but Chris made me read your whole playbook. Oh really? Oh yeah, he's he's real into it. He's like, you have to read the thought about playbook. We have to make one for our company. So that's so funny. Do you know how often we tweet about that? Probably never. <laughs> well, I know exactly. 
exactly right. You spent all this work on this really cool content that you're never yep. sending out. Yeah, people find it all the time, but like, I mean, that's something. It's 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 long and it's good, and we should probably be like promoting it like crazy. And I don't really sure. think we do. <laughs> if only there was some sort of tool that would do that for us. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, so the last thing I want to touch on is you've built this business that was successful. Um, do you have any uh, recommendations or lessons learned that you could pass on to those that are like a little bit further behind you to help them along their way? Yeah, I mean, knowing that a lot of this this audience um, is in software, now that I'm in this world a little bit, I see that so many people who make software have this huge gap in their understanding of marketing. Hmm. And there's this idea, there's definitely this huge, you know, if I build it, they will come. There's this idea of like, if your software is good enough, then people will just find it and people will use it and people will spread the word about it. And that's really not true Mm -hmm. most of the time. You know, you need to communicate with people and you need to find a way to get what you're building in front of people. And it's not cheesy it's not salesy it's it's just letting people know about a tool that could actually make their life a lot better i mm-hmm. mean it, this is another big objection people have in social media they're like well i don't want to bother people you know like i don't want to tweet too often or i don't want to you know link to this thing that's sort of promotional for us because i, I don't want to be one of those pushy people and it's mm-hmm. like well they follow you know if they're following the thoughtbot twitter account they're extremely interested in like Ruby on Rails development. Yeah. You know, like, why else would they follow the Thoughtbot Twitter account? Right. Like you set it up for your business. And we see it as consumers. Like I always use the example, there's this um, pizza place I used to go to in LA and I signed up for their email list and they would send out a coupon every so often. that was like 15% off pizza. That's all I want to hear. <laughs> I want to buy your pizza. I want it to be 15% off. Yep. You know, like you don't even have to woo me with any content. Like just send me the coupon <laughs> for the pizza. <laughs> you know, Perfect. I want only promotional messages. Right, exactly. And when people have felt like it's opt-in, right? When people follow you on Twitter and Facebook, whatever, they want to hear from you. That's the only reason that they're there. So you really don't need to worry about oh, if they signed up for my email list, you know, I don't want to promote too much. Like, no, they signed up for your email list because they want to buy things from your business. That's why they're there. Perfect. Got it. I think that's a perfect place to leave it. Uh, Thanks very much for coming on. It's been great chatting with you. Yeah, it was fun. Thank you. Awesome. If you'd like to access the show notes for this episode, you can go to giantrobots.fm slash 174. Today's show was produced and edited by Tom Obarski.